Welcome to the podcast that will teach you how to successfully invest in and build steady streams of passive income from the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Veteran real estate investors Kevin Bupp and Charles Dehart from Mobile Home Park Academy will personally share with you the valuable lessons they've learned along their journey as mobile home park investors so that you too can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this extremely lucrative niche. So without further ado, let's welcome your hosts for today's show, Kevin Bupp and Charles Dehart. Welcome, guys and gals, to the Mobile Home Park Academy's weekly podcast, where we'll provide all the information that you need to know to successfully locate, negotiate, close on, and make huge profits from the lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. I'm your host, Kevin Bupp, and in today's show, we're going to be bringing on a special guest, and that is one of our very own, Jethro Van Art. Jethro, or Jet as we like to call him here uh, in-house, is our Director of Operations here at Sunrise. Jet brings with him you know, an extensive background in both commercial real estate and asset management and truly has become a, a critical cog in the Sunrise Wheel of Success that we have here. And in his current role of Director of Operations, being that we're a smaller shop, Jethro wears many different hats, including, but not limited to, heading up our due diligence efforts on all new acquisitions. He's the lead of our property management team. He assists with debt placement on new acquisitions. He also assists the leadership level decisions that we make here at Sunrise, among a litany of other special projects. And you know, one of those special projects that we recently tasked Jethro with was working through a consolidation plan for our property level insurance on our mobile home park portfolio. Now, prior to our most recent switchover to this more of a consolidated plan, we would typically source individual property-specific insurance coverage plans, most of the time through uh, Kurt Kelly with Mobile Insurance, which a lot of you guys are, are familiar with. We've actually had Kurt on the show a few different times. A great firm over there. But as we've grown larger, we have found that there are multiple benefits of doing more of a consolidation plan and going with you know one coverage that will basically encompass all of our properties versus individual, individual plans. And so, you know, if you're a small operator with only a few parks, there are downsides to this approach as you continue to grow your portfolio in size. And that um, we're going to talk about those kind of the benefits today of, of going in, into more of the consolidation route. You know, if just a few of the, the benefits that we have found is you know, better organization, right? One policy versus many different policies, cost savings. And then in addition to that, higher quality of coverage are just, uh, just a few. Again, Jethro is going to kind of go into detail, being that he's the one that spearheaded the, the special project. And so I'm going to leave it up to him to speak to it in more detail. And so guys, I'm real excited to get onto the show with Jethro here. But before we do, I just want to run through a couple of housekeeping items with you. First and foremost, you know, and I, I tend to forget to mention it on a lot of shows, but I'm going to bring it up here today. Uh, you know, we're always in deal acquisition mode at Sunrise Capital. We're always looking for deals. We're always looking for opportunities to pay big finders fees. And so if you're out there on the hunt and you find an opportunity that maybe you can't take down yourself, you know, we'd love to hand you a you know, handful of cash in exchange for a you know, purchase sales agreement on a great opportunity. Additionally, if you're looking to take down a deal, but maybe you want to stay in it as a partner, we have the ability to be a capital partner or an operational partner or both and can help you take down a deal that you might not have been able to take down on your own. And so you can reach out to us directly if you have some opportunities you'd like to discuss. Go to our website, sunrisecapitalinvestors.com, and you can just reach out to us through the Contact Us page. And you know, this might be the perfect way for those of you that are brand new to get your, your foot in the business, right? To stick your toe in the water 
all while working with a group that has a, a very strong track record, you know, which, which is what we have. So looking forward to seeing any opportunities you guys might be open to sharing with us. Uh, next up, we just opened up a second tranche in our mobile home park growth and income fund. And so if you're an accredited investor and you're interested in partnering with us on our personal acquisitions, please visit our secure investor portal by going to invest.sunrisecapitalinvestors.com. And by going there, you'll be able to create a secure account and also review our PPM and investment summary for the MHP growth and income fund too. Okay. And lastly, guys, if you happen to find yourself in the Tampa Bay area, I'd love to connect with you during your visit. If you've got some free time, reach out to us by going to sunrisecapitalinvestors.com. Again, just go to that contact us page and let us know when you're coming into town and we'd love to meet up. And I'll tell you one cool thing is that if you make the trek, not just in the Tampa, but if you make the trek over to Safety Harbor, which is where our office is located, it's about 20 minutes west of the Tampa International Airport, so right across the bay. I'm going to treat you on a tour of the Jacobson Manufactured Housing Plant. Okay, so that's one block away. They literally make mobile homes right down the road from us. So you basically could come, get to meet us in person, and then go get to see how the sausage is made, which is pretty cool. So it's a huge plant right down the road from us. I don't know how many homes they actually make or ship a year, but it's a pretty high production. They've been in business for many, many years and make a very high quality product. So if you've never seen a frame-up build of a mobile home, whether it be a single or double wide, come visit us and we'll walk down there together and we'll take a look at it. Okay, guys. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jethro Van Art to the show. Jethro, how's it going, bud? Hey, Kev. Good in you. Thanks, good. For, thanks good. for having me on the show. Yeah, man. This is the special occasion here on the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. So I know that uh, a few months back, we brought Brian on the show, who's another one of the principals here at Sunrise. And so I'm slowly but surely convincing the different team members here to come on the show. And so Jethro, you're here this week and very much looking forward to talking to you about you know, this topic of insurance consolidation. And you know, this is something that was very, a very important project in-house for us. And I thought that it would be you know, very relevant to speak about here on the show because you know, it, it might not be the best fit or the best topic for that individual that hasn't bought their first park yet or that maybe only owns one or two parks. But you know, if you're just getting into this business or if you're still small, but you have plans of growth and you're looking to grow a large company and a portfolio of properties that spans, you know, let's say a, a thousand plus units, then this is a very relevant conversation. And it's something you need to be thinking about as you grow your portfolio. And so with that, Jethro, I, before we dive into the, you know, to the meat and potatoes uh, of that topic, what I'd love for you to do, again, you're kind of behind the scenes here. None of the listeners or very few of the listeners probably have ever met you or, or even heard about you. So take a few minutes, uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. I gave that very brief introduction, but your background is much more extensive than that. So take a few minutes and just tell our listeners a little bit more about you, okay? Yeah, for sure. So I was born and raised in South Africa. I've been in the US now for just under two years. Uh, the connection to the US is my beautiful wife, Katie, who's from Chi-Town. We met while I was in the US. I was on a traveling stint for about three years and we met down in Fort Lauderdale and fell in love. I convinced her to move back to South Africa with me and uh, we were living there from about 2007 to 2017. And we had actually our two wonderful daughters in South Africa. She, uh, she loves it. It's a beautiful place and she calls it her home. So we've got two homes. I, uh, tra I was traveling. Uh, a lot of South Africans take some time off after they've studied or just before they go into college. It's kind of like a cultural thing. The Kiwis and the Australians do it too. And we often get on the boats. You know, we're an we're a outdoors country and uh, got some great sailing in South Africa, especially in Cape Town. And so a lot of us get onto the, 
the boat scene, uh, the big super yachts, the mega yachts, either the sailing mega yachts or the motor motor yachts. So I did that for about three years. I sailed over with a small crew on a 44-foot catamaran from Cape Town to the British Virgin Islands. And then eventually made my way up to Fort Lauderdale and met Katie there while she was on Spring Break. So that was a great time, had fun. And then, we, like I said, we moved back to South Africa around about 2007. Professionally, I cut my teeth in commercial property management. I focused on retail and office predominantly. I ran a small, a small portfolio in Cape Town for uh, two really, really successful businessmen and uh, worked my way up the, the ranks there to eventually become their portfolio manager. And then I switched, uh, I did that for about two and a half years, three years. And then I switched over to private equity, which was really a phenomenal experience. I worked with some very, very sharp guys, uh, joined a small team there at the time. When I joined them, there were about a team of seven, that's including the two founders. And when I left in 2000 and early 2017, we had grown the deal team to over 50 members in four countries. Across, you know, across the world in four countries, we had about 10,000 staff in our subsidiaries, our underlining subsidiaries. So we grew very quickly. It was a phenomenal experience. I, I was fortunate enough to play on both sides of the table in terms of within the company. I, I started out as an analyst on the deal team uh, and then moved over to the more the operational side, the portfolio improvement side, which is very much what I'm doing uh, with you now. And uh, really got to learn how to run businesses. Uh, I loved it. I, I got, to, got to spend time with guys that had built massive businesses, you know, three, 400 staff, uh, built it from the ground. And it was just a phenomenal time to, to actually spend, to just be with those guys and spend time with them, see how they run their businesses. So that was great. We then decided to move over to Chicago. Um, and that was 2017. And I spent a very brief stint in banking in Chicago. And we were there for about 12 months, but ultimately, you know, it's a great city. I love it, but man, it, it's cold and I, I miss the ocean way too much. You know, my kids grew up on the beach. Katie loves the water. I love the water. I'm a surfer. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's no waves here where we are, but uh, I still paddleboard. You know, I, I love being in the water. So uh, we had to be back by the ocean. So we moved down to Florida and that's that's when I met you guys. And uh, yeah. I found my home now with Sunrise. So yeah, that's yeah. a quick background of me. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. And, you know, just a, a funny insight about Jethro. So he obviously grew up in South Africa. He, he loves the, the the warmer climate, um, had a challenge with Chicago weather. And so very recently, we've had a lot of uh, due diligence trips that have uh, just uh, happened to be in very cold climates uh, in the northeastern part of the country, New York. And I forget where else we've sent you over the last couple of months, Jethro. But uh Jethro always forgets to pack a jacket. It's the funniest. It's not funny, but it kind of just <laughs> will we'll end up. I think we ended up in Michigan a couple of weeks ago and it was like 10 degrees. Yeah. And we looked over at Jethro as we were you know, getting to the, uh, I guess, the shuttle vehicle that, would, that was going to take us to the, the rental car place. And uh, he had no jacket on and he had a sweater, <laughs> but not no jacket. And uh, I was like, what are you thinking, buddy? Do you not own a jacket? Uh, I'll let you share mine if you'd like. But anyway, I think you have a jacket now, which is good. So. Yeah. Exactly. Stepping it up in the world, but yeah. <laughs> uh, when I left Chicago, I burnt all my deep winter clothes, as I call them. I literally gave them all away. I thought I'd never have to wear one of those jackets again or those boots, but alas, I did. So actually, on my last DD up in um, Buffalo, I landed and I was like, "Oh, it was just that, that cold snap that hit that part of the country." And I literally went straight from the airport to a store and bought myself a deep jacket and. 
Now I have one. Yeah. So. Thank God for Burlington Thanks. Coke Factory. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so one of the other things I want to make a mention of here, because I think it's important, it's aside from the, the topic of the show today regarding insurance, but is I, I want to just really briefly, I want to uh, share the story with how Jethro connected with us here at Sunrise. Um, you, if you guys have been listening to the show for quite some time, then you, you've heard over, over different periods, we've made a mention of that we're looking for some talent. You know, really, we're, we're a growing organization. We're always looking for folks that that can align themselves with our, our core values, but also are looking to, you know, to, to kind of grow with a, you know, we're not, we're not a startup anymore, but, uh, you know, we're in a stage of, of a growth company and uh, that, that find excitement in that, but also are looking to bring value to whatever organization they might go to. And so Jethro actually reached out to us on a whim and created the video. And it was a very compelling video that essentially said, guys, here's a litany of different ways that I can help you grow your organization. And it was compelling enough that we reached out to him and, uh, you know, didn't over the phone interview. I think Skype is how we did it the first time. And uh, ultimately Mm -hmm. uh, I think you were already moving down here. So it was, it was kind of a a match made in heaven. And, but anyway, you know, he reached out to us and it was more of a guys here, here's how I can add value to your organization. And we weren't even looking for um, not necessarily that position to be filled at that point in time and he talked himself into it so yeah and it's been an awesome ride so without that or you know, with that let's go ahead and get on to the the topic of discussion here Jethro and that's the exciting topic of insurance and so <laughs> I'd like you to I'd like you to kind of run with this because again this wasn't just a matter of making a few phone calls and kind of filtering out and finding one you know, one broker that we decided to work with. It was a much more elaborate project, an in-depth project. And so maybe we could start by you discussing a little bit of, and I kind of did in the introduction, but maybe you can go into a little bit more detail, the original uh, catalyst to even, you know, get involved with this insurance project and look at a consolidation. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the first things you do when you, you get to a certain scale in any business, I think, you start looking at where, where's the low-hanging fruit that you can pluck to, to create some efficiencies and pricing efficiencies and just administrative efficiencies. And insurance is normally one of the first things private equity guys will hit. It's a high-value, complicated product, but at the end of the day, it's relatively easy to actually implement because of the corporate structures out there. So not too difficult to do. It's just time consuming. It does take a bit of time. But ultimately, it's one of the low-hanging fruits that private equity guys consider to do is to hit a, a group of companies or a group of properties that you could place under one umbrella cover or a group cover. You know, if you like most operators, small operators, or, you know, if you've got one or two uh, locations, you're going to have specific cover for those locations. So it's an administrative nightmare. And it's just, a, just from risk management efficiencies, it's also just very difficult. So when you do get to a certain scale, it makes sense to kind of bulk all your properties together, not only from a pricing reduction, but risk management efficiencies and administrative efficiencies. So that's really, we were at the, at the time when I joined you guys, we were just on the cusp of hitting that spot and we started looking to it. So that was around about, I think it was around about October last year. We actually started the process. And just to give you an idea of you know, how long it takes, it took us, we went live now 1st of, of February with our new structure. So it does take a bit of time, but it is definitely worth the while. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I think the best way to, to kind of go into the uh, the step-by-step process is just that, Jethro, maybe kind of lay it out. Uh, I know you are very methodical with how you approach this. And so I'll kind of leave it up to you to kind of guide us through what that looked like. Everything from seeking out vendors, quickly filtering out the unqualified, and really just focusing on the ones that ultimately 
you know, you had to make a decision between. So maybe walk us through that process if you could. Yeah, for sure. So there's two ways you could you could approach this. There's the traditional pricing approach where you know you get some brokers to go out and uh, basically get some bids for you, and then you make your decision purely on price, which is got its inherent flaws, and I don't I don't recommend that. And we can get into why. The second way, and is the way we approached it, is first do broker selection. So first choose the brokers who you want to work with before you go out and start bidding uh, pricing. You really want to actually choose your broker first and then let him go out to the market and put your best foot forward that way. Now, the reason for that is, is because the insurance industry is pretty complicated. It's not, uh, it's not like, you know, you're building a home and you've got, you price it out to four GCs and they come back with bids and you decide like that. Insurance market doesn't like you having a broker or you put, you could possibly have three to four brokers approaching the same carrier. The brokers don't like that. The underwriter doesn't like that because ultimately the carrier is not sure which broker you're going to go with. So they're not going to put their best pricing forward. Uh, And that's really, that's what it boils down to. That's why you want to choose your broker first. You also want to be sure that you've got the right person servicing you. You know, you, you might find a broker that, that gets the best price for you, but then he doesn't really understand your business. You have a claim and then there's problems. Your carrier might be fantastic. You might be be backed by a really good carrier, but the, the guy in between, your broker might be really, he might drop the ball and you don't want to be dropping the ball when a major catastrophe hits you like a tornado or a, you know, a big fire or anything like that. You want to know, you want to have a guy that can, that's got the experience and that can really understand your business. So that's really important. So I, I, I approached it from that level. I, I reached out to, you know, I asked for a couple of referrals within the industry, guys that we know, like our bankers, et cetera, et cetera, who, who do they recommend? We obviously also invited our the brokers that were working with us already. We had two brokers at the time. I also invited them to the process. And I basically laid out a, a plan on how we would approach that. First, I asked them, I drew up a document, a request for a proposal document. And that basically is a document that outlines a whole lot of questions that you could ask the brokers. You know, something ranging from, you know, tell us about your business, tell us how you set up, what, what industry do you focus on, how many pads do you have under management, how many, I mean, how, what's the value of your policies that you underwrite. You really want to get an idea of how, how big they are, how, how do they understand your industry. That's, that's key. Uh, you obviously want to ask for some references, et cetera, et cetera. So my request for proposal had about 12 questions and I sent it to all of them and then gave them two weeks to reply back to me and really just analyzed those, those uh, responses. Now, when you're doing this, when you're doing this project, you've got to be careful of personal bias creeping in. You know, you don't want to choose a broker because you like the guy, you like the team. You know, when your investors say to you, how did you choose your insurance program? You've really got to be able to have a methodical approach and explain why you did it. So, what I did was I used a decision matrix tool, which is, you know, again, it's an, an old private equity trick that the guys use. I basically ranked the four brokers on different areas, experience and platform, and I gave them a scale ranking for that. I get hunger for business. So that is defined as, you know, how excited, how hungry were they to actually gain our business. And you'll be surprised. You think that's a, an easy one and the guy, everybody would be hungry, but, you know, that's not necessarily the case all the time. 
Scalability is also a big one. You've got to be sure that you can work with a partner that can scale with you. You know, we're a highly inquisitive business. You know, we've got four or five deals in our pipeline at the moment that we're busy with DD at the moment. And uh, you want to make sure that they can actually scale with you and that they think big. They are a corporate structure. Like everything in life, you get brokers that are small. You know, they don't have access to products that the big corporates would have. So you've got to be aware of that. So that's what I call scalability. I also rank them according to uh, the response to my questions and then just interpersonal dynamics. So, you know, how I got on with the different teams over the four months that we were going through the process, you know, how, how I got on with them. And I ranked them like that. And that kind of takes out the subjectivity if you rank them according to a decision matrix model. And ultimately, whoever comes out at the top is the team that you're going to go with. So that was kind of the approach that I took with the guys. Hey guys, Kevin Bupp here with Sunrise Capital Investors. As you are hopefully already well aware if you've been a listener for any period of time, my goal has always been to provide you with as much value as I possibly can through my two podcasts, Real Estate Investing for Cashflow and the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. As our audience continues to grow, literally, we've been downloaded millions of times by folks in over 125 countries. I've had thousands of people reach out looking to get involved in our niche. And that's the phenomenal niche of mobile home park investing. For those that don't know, I've been a full-time real estate investor for nearly 20 years now, and I've personally invested in and have owned apartment complexes, various commercial properties, hundreds of single-family rentals, and I've interviewed some of the most successful investors in just about every other asset class, and I've arrived at this one very simple conclusion. Mobile home parks are hands down the best investment I've found to date. Why? They provide investors with the best risk-adjusted returns out of any other real estate sector that I've seen. Investing in real estate can get complicated, and I really want to simplify this process for you. If you're someone who wants to diversify away from the uncertainty of Wall Street and allocate a percentage of your real estate portfolio to mobile home parks, but maybe you don't have the time nor the inclination to personally locate good deals yourself, then our team will do it for you. At Sunrise Capital Investors, our team specializes in the acquisitions and management of undervalued and highly profitable mobile home parks. And we are now providing accredited investors with an opportunity to participate directly alongside our team and our up-and-coming deals. And let me say this, I believe that we are hands down the best in our space at sourcing highly profitable off-market deals. That's really what makes us unique in this niche and as investment managers. As stewards of your capital, we truly are aligned with our investors. We've structured our investment fund so that we as a company are incentivized in the same way the investor is, which is through the performance of the investment itself. In addition, we want to make sure that we not only make money for our investors, but that they understand how it's being made. That's why we provide our accredited partners with a private monthly podcast that walks them through the detailed updates on how their investment is performing. And we're very transparent, providing you with the good, the bad, and the ugly at times. And so if you'd like to learn more about the partnership opportunities with our team here at Sunrise, please go visit sunrisecapitalinvestors.com and click on the investors link to get signed up. It's absolutely free and you'll get placed on the priority list of when new opportunities come along. Also, feel free to call us at 833-CASHFLOW without the O. Again, that's 833-CASHFLOW without the O. And one of our investor relations team members will help you schedule an appointment to speak with one of our managing principals. If you have questions, go ahead and schedule a call and let's get on the phone and talk. And with that, guys, I'd like to leave with one last thought. 
From the time that I wake up in the morning to the time that I lay my head down the rest of the evening, my number one priority with everything I do, whether it be recording this podcast, working for our investors, helping each of you reach your investment goals, to providing a great experience to each of our residents who reside in our communities, is to add huge amounts of value to everyone that I come in contact with. Now, with that being said, I look forward to the opportunity of bringing value to you through Sunrise and through this podcast. Thank you for your time. Now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. What did you quickly discover? I know you made a mention of you would just expect that everyone was hungry for the business, right? I mean, all these companies are, are, are very much open to new clientele. And so everyone should be, you know, very aggressive with the request for a proposal. And that's not what you ran into though, right? You, kind of Correct. the opposite. So give, give me the experience that you had once you actually went into this this analysis with these different providers. Yeah, so I think sometimes, you know, it is a mixture of, I've already got this, you know, I, they're already my clients. So, uh, you know, they're happy with me. They're going to continue with me, even though they're going through this process, the good chance they're just going to stay with me. Complacency, uh, right? Never yeah, be complacent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Never be complacent. And so that, that was a big one. Uh, and I think it's also just sometimes, I guess, leads into, it is part of complacency is the size. You know, some, some of the guys thought oh, they were just too big to really get too excited about this. You know, they have bigger fish to fry. And they kind of don't think, well, you know, this could be a portfolio that's going to ultimately grow and grow and grow. And I want to have a part of that. So those, those were the two main issues when it came to hunger for business for me that I found. Did you quickly narrow it down? Uh, for, what was it quickly narrowed down from? Was it five to three? Was it seven to five? I mean, four, give us an idea what those numbers look like. Four to two. So that decision matrix helps you, you know, when, once you've got the, all the information back from the guys and you've had your initial meet and greets with them and, you know, they obviously need to start understanding your business, especially the brokers that aren't part of your business that haven't worked with you before. They need to kind of understand your business too. And you need to start, you actually have to supply, you know, a lot of information to them. You have to show them everything, your entire structure as it is right now. So that, that takes a lot of time to get all that data collected, et cetera, et cetera. But once you've got that request for proposal back and you analyze it and you compare it against what the guys, how the guys are answering and do they understand, you know, one of the key questions is, you know, what do you recommend for us? You know, I've given you, I've explained to you how our structure works. I've explained to you how we, you know, what locations we're in, what states we're in. What do you request for us? What do you think our biggest risks are? And you'll be amazed at the varying responses you get from there. Mm. And those were a couple of my key questions that I really wanted to understand what, you know, what do you recommend for us? And I got wildly different answers across the four, the four um, brokers. Interesting. So once you narrowed it down to two, Jethro, I mean, was it a very close head-to-head match or, I mean, did one far yes. you know, outweigh the other? There was there was two that were that were a very close head to head match. It was it was the two new brokers we had invited to the team to the process, and ultimately what it boiled down to was just one or two you know one or two specific things on how they answered the questions, and really again like I said you've got to be very very careful of personal bias creeping in, but it ultimately also boils down to there is there is a part of that as who do you feel most comfortable with in terms of, you know, you're going to be working with these, with this team for a long time and you want to make sure you just, you feel comfortable with them. So ultimately it boils down to that too, that part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we didn't really go into detail as far as the, you know, kind of the, the size threshold and the size of the mm-hmm. portfolio, what, what mm-hmm. the, these companies were looking for. But I mean, I know that's going to be slightly different for each, but what, Correct. If you just kind of throw a ballpark figure out there, what really is that threshold that they're, that they're seeking? 
Yeah, you know, I would say anything between 800 to 1,000 pads is probably where you would start seeing some pricing efficiencies. And that's assuming, you know, you, your, your, current, your current portfolio isn't priced very efficiently. We, funny enough, our portfolio was pretty, and the pricing side was priced very efficiently because we were working off our property manager's broker and our property manager has scale. I mean, they manage 14,000 pads. So because of that relationship, we had really competitive pricing. But generally, I'd say at about between 800 and 1,000 pads is when you really could start seeing some great pricing efficiencies and where really the brokers would start getting excited. Anything smaller than that, you know, it's going to be difficult for, to get the brokers excited because it's, it takes a lot of work on their side too. You know, even though it's new business for them, it, it is a lot of work analyzing your current policy, especially if it's inefficient, your structure is inefficient where you've got, you know, two to three policies per location. And, you know, if you've got 12, 13, 14 communities, that, that's, that's a lot of work in analyzing and going to the market and the underwriting having, underwriter having to look and analyze your portfolio. So mm-hmm. I'd say about 800 to 1,000 is the right number. Okay. So we talked about all the, all the benefits and efficiencies associated with going this route after you get to a certain size, but do you see that there's any risks or downsides with this approach once you're to that, that certain scale? You know, yeah, I think there's always risk, definitely. The good thing is, and I'll explain what the risk is, but the good, you know, as you know, insurance is, uh, the insurance industry is a highly mathematical industry and you've got teams of actuaries uh, pouring over data. And this is a very, very common structure, not just in property and in, in across any industry, the corporate kind of portfolio insurance structure is very, very common. And your underwriters, your carriers would never ever partake in a, a product like this if they felt that there was a high probability of risk or even some chance of risk. So it's very calculated. But for an example, what, what could happen is... You're, you know, I'll use the umbrella policy as an example, which is one of our group covers within our portfolio right now. Umbrella insurance is really just top-up insurance for general liability. You know, it's that extra insurance you take out to be safe and to make sure that should somebody sue you and it's a big case, your GR will cover a lot of it, but you've got additional coverage in your umbrella. Now, you could have a crazy an event where at three of your locations, all at once, somebody sues you and they're all major, major court cases. The way this, this structure works is we've got our cover of umbrella cover, cover at about 5 million spread across our entire portfolio. And the chances of three cases are coming up, three, you know, three claims coming up at different locations is highly, highly unlikely. But what you could, it could happen and ultimately you'll use up that coverage very quickly and then you don't have any more coverage for the rest of the year. So for example, those three cases could take up 3 million of your 5 million cover. You've only got 2 million left rest for, left for the rest of the year to cover the rest of your portfolio. So that could be a risk. But like I said, you know, it's highly calculated and guys would never do this product if they felt that you know, their clients were at risk or the entire industry was at risk. So that yeah. would be the one, the one risk. Other than that, the, to me, there's no real downside. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer to have efficiencies to be dealing with one renewal date with your policy versus multiple renewal dates. If you're a highly inquisitive company like we are, you know, you don't want to have to continuously 
during the due diligence process, get multiple quotes. This is a very streamlined process where you give them very, very basic information and they can get a quote to us very quickly and just slip it into the portfolio easily. So from a from an efficiency standpoint, it is just an absolute no-brainer. And then, of course, again, like I said, the risk coverage, you're, you, it is by far a superior product. The corporate kind of style portfolio product is by far more superior than your normal individual policy, just mm-hmm. in the risks that you're being covered by. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. And I, I'm not going to make a mention, I don't think we should make a mention of the companies that were kind of in the running, but maybe we should make a mention of um, who we ultimately decided to go with. Uh, would, would you mind sharing that, those details with the folks? Yes, yes. We uh, we ultimately went with the IMA Corp, Jed Bond's team. Fantastic guys, very, very experienced in the industry. And uh, yeah, we've got a team of 10 guys that look after our portfolio. And that's not just, you know, the front broker that, that's the account manager that's dealing with me. You've got all your the back office staff too that are dealing with the actual claims, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we went with the IMA Corp. Okay. And guys, we'll, we'll include the details uh, for the IMA Corp in, inside the show notes as well. So if, if you find yourself at that point today and you want to start going down that road, feel free to reach out to them. And if you're not there yet, it's still, it's good to keep in the back, uh, you know, back of your mind that ultimately as you grow your portfolio, this is surely one of those things you want to pursue when the timing's right. And so uh, Jethro, with that, is there anything else that we might've missed regarding you know, this process or project that, that you worked on regarding insurance? I mean, is there anything that, that you feel is relevant that we might have missed out on? No, you know, I think, it, like I said, it's, it's, insurance is a, is a complex product. So you, when you are going out there and you're comparing your different products, just make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you know, there's the obvious things like location risk. You know, are you in Tornado Alley versus, you know, a very safe location. That that's an obvious one. But then there's other things like there could be, uh, you know, for example, New York insurance rates are extremely expensive in New York because it's a highly litigious state, and not many carriers want to be in New York. So when you're comparing your your product and your policies, be sure that you're comparing apples to apples. That's one of the big things to look out for. You know, you no no two products are created equal. They might have the same name, i.e., business interruption coverage but they're actually not the same coverage when you look into it to the technical details and just simple things like location risk can be very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point there and this is a little, little off topic or not really, but uh, regarding New York, you know, we own a number of communities in New York and uh, th- th- if you guys are out there, if you're buying, if you're underwriting deals and you don't own anything in New York, you haven't had experience of working in New York, first and foremost, the taxes are, are horrific. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll figure that pretty quickly, yeah. but the insurance, you know, equally as much. And so if you've underwritten a bunch of deals, especially when it comes to whether it's a general liability for the park or the, the park owned home coverage, and you're trying to use the, you know, metrics that you've associated with with other parks and let's say basically other part of the country, uh, you know, whether it be Pennsylvania or Virginia or North Carolina, if you're using that same type of pricing, you absolutely need to uh, readjust your figures and, and get a real quote before you underwrite it. Because uh, we found that insurance is it's probably about, I mean, just generally speaking, again, every market's a little different, every state's different, but probably about double, uh, double yes. what the norm is. Yes. Yeah. And their, and their taxes are about four times what the norm is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It is very expensive. Yeah. Well, Jethro, this has been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on and, and definitely we'll look forward to bringing you back on in future episodes. And you know, what I'd like to do is really work towards covering other key aspects of the operation side of the business. And you know, as you know, our, our whole goal here with Sunrise 
is to help the you know help folks out there that are whether they're currently in the industry or looking to get into this industry and, and really just give them a a real world picture of, of what this business looks like and the internal workings of it. And so I, th- I thought this topic was a great one to cover today. And I know you've got a lot of other valuable information up your sleeve. And so we'll look forward to bringing you and your and your unique accent back on the show because I know that <laughs> everyone's going to love this as they're driving, especially the ladies out there. No, I'm joking. <laughs> So, buddy, thanks for coming on here. uh, It's a pleasure. Yeah, guys, that's all we have for today's episode. But before we say goodbye, just want to remind you of the free gift that we offer to to all listeners who take the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes. We'll actually give you the exact cold call script that we use within our own business. We buy a number of deals each and every year, uh, a lot of deals from direct marketing efforts to owners. And one of the methods we use is cold calling. So we outbound dial uh, each and every day. And this is, again, the exact cold call script that we use. To redeem that free gift, just after you submit that review on iTunes, go ahead and send us an email to gift at mobilehomeparkacademy.com and just tell us who you are and what screen name you use to leave the review. And we'll go ahead and, and ship that cold call script right out to you. Also, be sure to stop by our website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com. You can listen to all of our previous podcast shows. We've got over 100 up there. So lots and lots of hours of uh, great quality content. In addition, you can download a free ebook, which is called The 21 Biggest Mistakes Investors Make When Purchasing Their First Mobile Home Park and How to Avoid Them. This is an absolutely required read. It's an easy read. And if you're brand new and haven't bought a park yet, then you need to dive into it right away. And so guys, I want to thank you for, for stopping by. Jet, thank you for joining us here. And this is your host, Kevin Bupp, signing off. Until next week, take care, guys. Congratulations for taking the necessary steps to achieving massive success through the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Be sure to visit our website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com to download your free digital ebook version of the 21 biggest mistakes investors make when buying their first mobile home park and how you can avoid them. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our free monthly mobile home park investing newsletter, which is jammed full of valuable tips, tricks, and strategies to help you accelerate your path to success as a mobile home park investor. More information about this podcast and its hosts can be found by visiting mobilehomeparkacademy.com.